three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Can't Wait podcast, where we never fight. We always get along on this podcast. Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris doing the producing. We're going to talk about the Jets version of Fight Club that went down on Sunday. We'll get to that. We'll talk about the offense, which is picking up steam. We'll throw in some super dupers along the way. Um, Lots to get to. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a rating and a review as well. Uh, Connor, it was supposed to be a walkthrough today, but because of what happened Sunday, or it was supposed to be an off day for you, but because of what happened Sunday, they had the walkthrough yesterday, back to work today. So switching around the schedule a little bit, but I want to dive into this fight a little bit because let's be honest, this happens all the time in training camps with teams when they get sick of hitting each other and it's time to hit other teams. But no, no games, no preseason games this year. So I feel like there's going to be maybe more of this. But take us through what went down on Sunday with the big brawl. <laughs> it was glorious, man. I'll tell you what. Like I've seen some fights, and like this actually got me going back and thinking about like the best fights that I've seen throughout training camp. Uh, Lorenzo Malden. He, I remember he went out. I think it was Kelvin Beachum, and I remember him doing like there was like a scrum in the middle and I remember like Lorenzo Malden coming over the top with a fist like down on someone and being like holy crap and like the crazy thing about was Lorenzo Malden like injured himself and never played again because of the fight um then there was the one obviously that's always that everyone every everyone always talks about with fights is the uh the Brandon Marshall brawl with uh Darrell Revis which was as fun to watch verbally for the jabs that Brandon Marshall was sending back at Revis as it was physically to watch the two guys go at it. And Brandon Marshall's a big SOB man. So like, I don't know if he's the guy I would like to piss off. And then this one, obviously I know people like when I tweeted that out, like my the craziest training camp fights I've seen, like somebody was like, Oh, what about Gino IK? That one doesn't really count. Cause it was in a locker room that no reporter saw. So the, the other ones are always the ones that you see and the pushing and the shoving. And uh, this was a good one, man. Like this was a good one. And, and you kind of alluded to it in that, there's always fights in training camp. There's always these moments where players go at it. And usually it's the big dudes who are just running into each other every single day in a hundred degree heat. They get tired of running into each other every single day in a hundred degree heat that someone takes a swing. Someone says a word and next, thing you know, guys are shoving, pushing, slapping each other helmets and stuff. And that's kind of what happened here, but why what's cool or what obviously changes things with camp is that when players get in these fights is usually right around the time that, the preseason starts. So you go from hitting the same people all the time to now you got preseason games to break it up where you're seeing somebody else. And that kind of lessens all the emotions, but no preseason this year. That's kind of why Gay said, look, they were, they had these fights on Sunday. They were supposed to be in pads on Monday and then have off on Tuesday. He switched it all up and was basically like, look, I can't, I I'm not putting these guys out in pads again to go slam into each other. Let's let tensions come. Let's give our guys a chance to heal up as well. The walking wounded, let's get everyone healed up. And then we'll go back at it on Tuesday with pads. And, and the, the technique worked because the offense was super, super sharp today. Uh, there were no fights. There were no bickering. Even the defense had their moments. And it was one of the better days of Jets practice that we've seen. And I think it was because they gave, they got things got super heat and super tense on Sunday. They had the cool off period Monday and then they went back on it on Tuesday. But 
going back to that fight, man, it was pretty wild. Like we were watching it and it was like, okay, you could tell something was happening because for a couple of the plays leading into it, there were like the times where the whistle blows and everyone's still kind of touching each other. You know, like they're, they're always, they're still engaged. They're still angry. And you can tell like something's going to happen. And then it was the first one that kind of started. It was like Alex Lewis was, it looked like he was locked in with Neville Hewitt. And it never got to the point where punches were thrown, but they were like shoving each other and shoving each other. And then the whole team came together and then they started screaming and yelling. And then they were kind of eventually separated after like a minute, minute and a half. So you're like, okay, tensions were, were boiling. What I found interesting is almost always when there's that situation, coaches will take the defender that got into it and the offensive player that got into it and they get off the field and they let those guys cool down. Greg Williams kept Neville Hewitt in and Adam Gase kept Alex Lewis in. And the very next play, Alex Lewis took some linebacker, I couldn't really tell who it was, and drove him 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage and into the ground. And as soon as I saw Alex Lewis go into the ground with a defender underneath him, I turned to Costello, who was standing next to me, and I was like, here we go, here we go. And sure enough, I can't, I can't tell who the linebacker was that he got down on the ground because we were on the field where our angle kind of sucks. But all of a sudden, Jordan Jenkins comes out of nowhere, and he's got like, I mean, he starts throwing haymakers at Alex Lewis and Alex Lewis is just like staring at him and like taking him. Like, like obviously he's in a helmet, so he's not going to get punched in the face. And like Jordan Jenkins is swinging away. Haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. Greg Van Roten comes out of nowhere. And like, I think at first Van Roten was trying to like play peacekeeper, like Jordan get off and Alex get off. But all he did was basically take like Jordan Jenkins attention from like, I'm going to beat up Alex Lewis. So Jordan Jenkins just switched to Greg Van Roten. And now he's throwing haymakers at Van Roten. And Alex Lewis is being pulled off by somebody else. And, like, he was throwing, like, like gut checks in him. And, and the way that Avery Williamson uh, coined it after we, when we talked to him after practice was that Jordan was doing some, quote, jujitsu stuff out there. So he's, like, throwing haymakers. Eventually, the two sides separate. Jordan Jenkins is now taken off the side of the field. Um and like put off on the side next obviously he's punching people so you got to get him off the field you can tell though he's still super super hot so the offense runs one more play as the two sides are like separate from the play which is like nothing happens on the one play no nothing energetic jordan jenkins comes from the sideline back onto the field and starts screaming at van roten to the point where van roten and it was kind of, it was honestly i'll be honest it was one of the more badass things i've ever seen an nfl player do jordan jenkins is like screaming and mfing him Greg Van Roten come, like just squares him up, walks directly from the huddle directly to Jordan Jenkins, takes his helmet off, throws his helmet down, and basically goes like, "Come fuck with me!" Like it's basically <laughs> what he did. And like I'm sitting there, cause I'm like, I'm slapping cause like he's gonna hit him again. Like they're gonna go at it again. Like right, like it's gonna happen again. It was freaking nuts. So we were like, obviously, the at that point, like Le'Veon Bell came over and like moved Jordan Jenkins off to the side. Someone else moved the offense, like Greg Van Roten off to the side, and it all pretty much calmed down for the most part where we thought universally on the sideline, we all got our binoculars out to watch what would happen is that the uh, practice ended with a red zone drill, which the first team offense went up against the first team defense. Jordan Jenkins sat out for two drills to like kind of calm himself down. He went back onto the field for the red zone drill. He's normally outside on Makai Becton. He moved from outside Makai Becton to the other side of the line on a defensive tackle position and lined up directly in front of Greg Van Roten and put his hand in the dirt. And I looked at Costello again because we were standing next to her watching practice. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, my God. This is not ending well. And I give the two guys credit. And I, give, I guess Gase and, and uh, Greg Williams credit for reading the guy, like reading Van Roten and reading Greg Williams or uh, Jordan Jenkins appropriately. Because on the snap, the two guys went into each other and they 
engaged for a, a bit, like an extra minute or so. And you could tell they were exchanging words. But after that, it was like, they didn't do anything. Like they disengaged, then they went on and they finished out practice and there were no, like, there was no issues or anything like that. But that was, that was Sunday's, uh, Sunday's fight day, fight night or fight club or whatever it was. It was interesting, man. I'll give them that. The, the things that always stand out to me with these fights, I mean, obviously it's hot. You're in all the pads. It's gonna, yeah. it's just frustration is there and you're going against these I'm not guys. running away. My computer's dying. So I gotta, that, I gotta plug my charger in. So just keep talking to him. I can hear you. <laughs> this is the beauty of live broadcasting. Yeah, indeed. Um, and then, you know, you're in the hot pads, you're, you're all fired up. And then you're this year, you're not going to play another team until the actual season. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing that always stands out with these is these guys are wearing helmets. Like you're not going to do any damage. That's why yeah. the fact that Van and Roten actually went over to Jenkins and took the helmet off and threw oh, it bad. down. Dude, it was That's badass. like next level training camp fight stuff because oh, he's yeah. actually saying, okay, I'm ready to actually get hit if you want to. Uh, yeah, and, and Jenkins' helmet was off at this time too because at some point yeah. when Jenkins was throwing the original haymakers, someone ripped off his helmet and then he was on the sideline without his helmet. So he was, he was like Jenkins was coming on the field without a helmet. And so Van Roten threw his off, man. It was it it was cool. I, like that that dude. Like I I saw that. I was like, man, that Van Roten dude. That's, that's a badass. Like that guy. That was just the emphatic slamming of the helmet down, and then just like basically come f with me. It was like, whew, that's something, man. That was something. All, eventful. When, it was eventful. Yeah. That. When all is said and done, and you're getting ready for a season, do you think these sort of things, where now the offense can kind of um, get around Lewis and Van Roten and say, all right, you know, we got we got each other's backs, and then the defense can get around Jenkins. Are these helpful to build units? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what that's what actually uh, Adam Gase said after practice when we were talking about it because everyone saw. I mean, it was the, it was arguably the most testy, and I mean, that was probably of of fights I've seen in camp. That was probably the most intense, where it just kept building and like neither of the guys was backing down. And Jordan Jenkins is no like schlub. I mean, that guy, that guy's. A, a, I would not like. I remember talking to Jordan like his his when he was a rookie, and he is like yes sir no sir like nicest person like if every woman is a, is ma'am like is she just one of the nicest southern boys you've ever met and then he gets on the field and the guy's like a freaking lunatic and i was like dude how do you switch and he goes you know it's funny like my old teachers would joke about that too that i was the nicest person in like a classroom and then i get on the football field and it's like a switch i turn so like when jordan jenkins gets heated and hot like the dude was seeing red like he was like, like he's a dude that if i was going to go in, a, in an alley and like need somebody to, to back me up on like the jets roster like jordan's with it so like you had a badass like that was pissed off going after somebody and then van roten was like screw it i'm a badass too and like went at it too but what, what jordan or what uh, adam gay said was that was was what he enjoyed as a head coach watching as much as you can because obviously no one got hurt so i'm sure it was fine in his eyes but what he liked seeing was that neither side backed down was that it wasn't like the defense back down the offense. It wasn't the offense back down the defense. It was both sides were standing their ground and they were like, you know what? You guys want to fight? Let's, let's fucking fight. Like, let's, let's go at it. And they were like going to drop the gloves and go. And I think they liked it not only just for team building, but to also to develop like some kind of fiery intensity and chemistry. And uh, I think you did see it um, a little bit like, I, or what I would say was also a, a big, a big positive of this entire thing was that they were able to finish that red zone drill with no issues. Like if they went back on the field for the red zone drill and then all of a sudden everyone's, you know, fighting again, it's like, God damn, like this is, this is getting ugly, but they were able to go back into a red zone drill, which is, which is a pretty intense drill. I mean, they were at like the 10 yard line. Jordan Jenkins was able to go directly up against Greg Van Roten. They had a little extracurricular activity in terms of words, 
but that was it. And then today at Tuesday, they went at each other again and there was no, no fighting, no anything. So look, these guys are all on the same team. They know it. It's just the fact that you've been hitting the same people now for yesterday, I think was the jet or by the time the practice ended, that was like the sixth jets practice in seven days, seven days or seventh and eighth days. So these guys were going at each other daily. They're there all day. They can't go see their families. They can't go out to eat. There's no like relaxation because of COVID. So they just went at each other and, and got in a fight. But it was it was fun to watch. I will say that the one last point on this fight was that I had a, a one-on-one interview with Jordan Jenkins coincidentally two days before the fight. And he was talking about how much he loves Makai Becton and how like, you know, he's always got his back. And like one of the coolest things for Jordan is that whenever, whenever um, Makai does something where Jordan beats him, immediately after the next drill when they've got some time or after practice Makai will go up to Jordan and say like what did I do wrong and Jordan was like you know we're rep by the same agency so I've kind of known him he's a great guy he's one of my closest friends on the team and I said to Jordan I was like man I was like I'm be honest with you dude I was like you just jinxed yourself and he started laughing on the phone he goes what are you talking about I was like you're about to get in a I'm not shitting you and he'll tell you the same thing if you see him I was like you're about to get in a fight i was like you're talking about happy-go-lucky everyone's i was like you're about to get in a fight man and he started laughing he goes yeah you're probably right sure enough two days later 48 hours later he's throwing haymakers at anyone who walks by he was all fired up so it's your fault you you put it in his mind yeah there we go yeah i'm, I'm taking the blame for a lot of things <laughs> i blamed uh what was that what else I, I the media guys were on time uh on my ass today uh over the timing of uh some conference calls or something like that because i jinxed that as well my friends call it the connor jinx it's not it's not a good thing <laughs> I'm going to ask him next time I see him, Connor. You should. You should. (laughs) All right. So let's move things forward to today. You talked a little bit about it. But last time we did this podcast, we talked about they were coming off this just miserable offensive camp uh, practice session where the offense just couldn't do anything right. The defense dominated. Um, And the offense kind of got their revenge today. Got things going a little bit. Um, super duper offense, as, as we like to say around Jets what camp a line. now. But the uh, <laughs> the run game was rolling. Um, you know, darn all, good things to say about Chris Hogan, the new addition to the offense. But what stood out to you kind of the most today from this offensive performance? They just uh, run blocking. I, yeah. I would say I would say the thing that stood out to me uh, more than anything else uh, was was the run blocking. Was that this was the first time like they've had um moments that like the new the new revamped offensive line they've had moments throughout camp where their uh pass blocking has been fine Sam Darnold's had time but the vast majority of plays that the Jets have made on offense throughout camp have been in the passing game and and they've had a couple like decent runs mostly with Frank Gore where like Gore would get like five yards and like oh that was a solid run and there was one where I think he had like a 10 or a 15 yard touchdown when I don't even think the Jets were in pads yet where he found a hole and again just He's a dude. He's a north south north south runner, man. So he just he hits the hole and he gets downhill and and he and he hits like that's just how Frank Gore plays. So he's going to get those five yard runs. He's not going to get the fifty yard runs or whatever. Um, but aside from that, the one thing is that they're really like for Le'Veon Bell. There has been no running lanes for Le'Veon Bell. It really it, it's been it's been tough sledding in the run department. And today was the first time on Tuesday um, where you could say that the offensive line was legitimately opening rushing lanes. I mean, it started early in practice with Alex Lewis and Makai Becton uh, basically parting the Red Sea with a massive hole for Le'Veon Bell to run through, scampered through, where I don't think he was touched for the first eight to ten, eight to ten yards of the carry. I mean, it was a massive hole. And Alex Lewis, I, I couldn't tell from where we were exactly what Makai Becton did. Because, again, with offensive line play, you can't really analyze exactly what they're doing unless you just happen to be watching that player when something happens. But Becton did something against Quinn and Williams because Alex Lewis like nearly mugged 
Makai Becton in celebration over like whatever he did to open up that run lane. But there was a massive one for Bell to run through there. Uh, later in practice, it was between, I believe this one was McGovern and uh, Lewis. It might have been, it was on the left side of the line. So it was like McGovern and Lewis or Lewis and Becton again, one of the two. But there was another massive hole for Le'Veon Bell to run through. I think he got five yards before he was touched. But at that five yards, you started to see vintage Bell where he started doing like his jukes and his shiftiness and like getting out in the open field. That was really impressive to see. And, and it was, like I said, this was the first time all practice where obviously Sam made, made deep plays. He hit uh, uh, Jamison Crowder for a long touchdown. He, hit up, he hooked up with uh, Chris Herndon for a couple nice first downs. He hit Chris Hogan on an out route, which was really nice. But today was the first day where you could legitimately say that the offensive line was opening real holes, like legitimate real holes for Le'Veon Bell to run through. And it goes, you know, hand in hand that the fact that the offensive line's best day run blocking it marks the first time that Le'Veon Bell has really had a practice where you could say, yeah, that he had a, he had a good day as well. So uh, I think that's what probably stood out to me more than anything else. And, and we can get to other parts of the practice too, where certain guys stood out. But um, the biggest thing for me was, was without a doubt, the run blocking on that offensive line was that they, they showed up, they showed up today. And you mentioned uh, Gore and Darnold after practice saying about Gore, he's awesome. And it feels like that's not just him as a running back, right? That's what he's kind of bringing to this team overall. Yeah, he's, he's a leader, man. And like you can see, I, I actually caught it for the first time um, Sunday during fight night is actually when I, when I caught it was that um, when the off, like Frank Gore is, I mean, the dude's like 39, like however the hell old he is. Like he's been doing this forever. And the fact that he still is at a position which has a shelf life of like two and a half years is absolutely remarkable. And and you look at how consistent he's been. It's like, there's something to it. And when we talked to Frank Gore, he said that what he used to do early in his career is like when the NFL in a normal off season breaks between mini camp and training camp. And they have that like four, four to six week break before when mini camp ends and before training camp starts, he said that used to be the time when he would like take time off and he would break in the last several years and what he credits to really his, the longevity of his career is that during that four to six week break, that's when he ramps everything up. That's when he gets going. That's when he really starts kicking into high gear. Uh, he compared it to a boxer preparing for a fight. So when he shows up for training camp, he's ready to go and he's ready to get hit and he's ready to do the hitting. And you can kind of see the way that he keeps himself in shape and the way that he just conducts himself and why Adam Gase loves him and why they believe that he has the ability here to, uh, really set the example for not only just the running back room, but the receivers, the offensive line, the quarterbacks, everyone. He's just the team leader. The Jets do special teams, and, and when they're running special teams, anyone who's not on special teams, they can kind of just hang out on the side, like on the side of the, the whatever. Frank Gore, while the Jets are running special teams, is on the other field running wind sprints by himself. He's got his helmet off, and he's just running – 20-yard rinse spins, sprint one way, sprint the other way, take a little bit of a break. Sprint one way, sprint the other way, take a little break. Sprint one way, sprint. It's like the guy's a freaking machine. Like he is an absolute machine. And, and you watch him play, there's no like pitter-pattering with him. There's no dancing. He is just a north-south, get the ball, find a hole, and freaking hit it. And like I think that's why Gase loves him because the type of running style Gase likes is the guy that doesn't dance. He just wants the guy to get the ball get yardage, just constantly move forward. Don't always try to hit the home run. The home run will eventually come, but just singles and doubles are sometimes just as effective as the big home run and just constantly keep wearing a defense down with singles and doubles. And eventually you hit the triple in the home run. Like just keep doing that. Gore is that player. Like we see him in camp, man. And he's just, you give him the ball. And every single time he touches the ball, he gets yardage. It's not always seven yards, five yards, six yards. 
but it's always at least three, and a lot of times it's four or five. And, and you can tell why the Jets like him and why he's honestly one of the, the more impressive players I've seen in camp and somebody that I'm no doubt believe is, uh, is going to have a significant role for the Jets this coming season. It's fascinating because you think about running backs only having so many miles kind of in the tank, right? And they talk about that, like guys that maybe didn't run that much in college. It's a good thing because maybe they'll have a slightly longer NFL career. And you here you have a guy who's grinded it out over all these years. And instead of kind of saving it for the field or for games, he's doing extra work in practice. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes against that theory. And it's it's just, I guess you just have to say he's kind of a physical freak at this point. To be 37, you made him 39. He's 37. <laughs> he might be 60 and, uh, by, by st- tomorrow. <laughs> still doing this. <laughs> we haven't seen the birth certificate, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, like it's, 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 it's what we had, we had talked about, man, is that it's just you can tell why he's been as good as he's been for as long as he's been. He's just, he's a different breed. And, and Le'Veon Bell said, that, you know, look, Le'Veon Bell's 28. So he's he's getting to the point where he's kind of at that turning point for an NFL running back. And he said, watching the way that Frank Gore conducts himself, watching the way Frank Gore does it, that gives Bell the faith that he can do it as long as Gore has. And he said he feels better at 28 than he did at 21. And I think in large part that is, is, is working out with Gore in Florida and now seeing Gore in person during the season. I think it's just going to have a, a massive benefit for this team, I, honestly, I think Gore's addition to this team, I, I don't know how anyone ever saw anything, uh, any negative to it or any downside to it, because I legitimately believe that this guy's going to do nothing uh, but make the Jets better at virtually every position, just with the leader that he is and the work ethic that he brings. And also the fact he's been so successful that a lot of these guys can look at him as somebody that they've looked up to in, in the NFL for years. One more thing on the offense before we move forward. Um, Braxton Berrios, Great catch back of the end zone and then big on the two-minute drill. I don't think we touched on him yet. Just one more guy that had a big day-to-day. And we've heard so much about Perryman making these big plays early on. But now it's nice to see other guys kind of step up as a yeah. motorcycle. I was about to say, like, you had, you had the Indy 500 here? Like, what the hell is this? Like, God damn, dude. Um, I don't know. who. That's your wife outside just revving up the sports car you got in the garage. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on here, man. But that's pretty he lives impressive. in the city. He doesn't yeah. got yeah, a garage. Say, there's no garage. Outside, like, look at my mom's outside. It doesn't purr like that. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> um, no, like, you know, the crazy thing about Barrios, man, is I, I honestly feel a little bad for Barrios because he's a guy, and we, we've, we talked about how after the, the Jets acquired him, they actually – Gase got a call from Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick was like, you got a good one. You got a good one. We just couldn't afford to keep him. and he can play. He can do a lot of things. He's a great player. We just, we, we need our number three, number four receiver to be able to play. And when the jets acquired Barrios, he had a hamstring injury that was going to slow him for a bit. So the Patriots couldn't afford to use a 53 man roster spot on him. Honestly, the Patriots probably trying to get him through to put him on the practice squad, then activate him once he was healthy, but they know they have a good one in him. The biggest issue for the Jets is that Barrios can only play on offense. He can only play slot and you watch him in practice and he's a damn good slot receiver. I mean, he is so shifty after he gets the ball in his hands, his ability to go left and right after he catches it is really remarkable. It's like that little punt returner like the ways he can dance and find, create some extra room. But he also has this uncanny ability to find the, the soft hole in the soft spot in the zone where he runs these routes and he'll just kind of, naturally feel the defender to his left and the defender to his right and the defender behind him. He'll know where to sit down and get the ball. Like he's very quarterback friendly. The thing I feel for, for Barrios about is that he's playing a position where he's sitting behind the Jets off best offensive player. Like Jamison Crowder is the best player. The Jets have on offense, not named Le'Veon Bell and, and Sam Darnold. Like he's their best option. So the Jets aren't going to take Jamison Crowder off the field 
because even though it would get Barrios on it, Barrios still isn't as good as Jamison Crowder. But this is a guy who would probably be competing for a starting job on, on, a, on a decent number of other NFL teams, probably on the majority of other NFL teams. And I think you're going to see this year Gase try to get a little creative with ways to get Barrios on the field because he's not a home run hitter. Like he's not, he can't play outside wideout. Like Barrios can't play outside wideout, but neither can Crowder. Crowder can't play outside either. Um, but they're going to find ways to get him on the field because he's very quarterback friendly. He's very good uh, at finding the soft spot in the zone, like I said. And he's also very dangerous after he makes a catch. So he, he's a player that I've been, I've been pretty impressed with. Uh, watching, like I heard, I didn't get to see him in camp last year. Zips claiming him off waivers, but hearing about him, seeing him start to get some playing time late last season, and then really seeing him camp this year, you can see what what the Jets loved about him, what Bill Belichick liked about him, and why this guy's got some some legitimate talent. All right, training camp continues on, and one thing you need to think about as you get closer to the regular season is your streaming options as far as television goes. If you haven't cut the cord yet. There's no time like the present. And think about Fubo TV, a definite great option. You used to think of it as just sports action. No, you can get all your great television shows through Fubo TV. Plus, right now, with the family plan, three people can watch three different screens at once on Fubo TV. Standard base plan has two screens at once. And right now, you can get 15% off the first month. That comes along with 30 hours of DVR as well. You get your local broadcast stream through there as well. Tough times for a lot of folks right now as far as wanting to be able to save some money as the pandemic continues. And $50 is more affordable than any cable provider. NBC Sports included on the national feed as well. With the NF season, NFL season around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. All right, Connor, this one's for you. I'm telling you, there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy sports, and it is celebrating the return of sports by giving away $100 million in prizes to all of their customers. Yeah, a lot of money, including one lucky winner who will take home $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using the promo QUICK and enter DraftKings Free Football Survivor Pool. Yes, it's really that easy. So, Connor, you can do it. It's not easy enough for you <laughs> to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win $1 million cash prize. While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, hopefully it's not Connor, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odd boosts and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer every day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for $1 million cash prize. That's the promo code QUICK to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only, other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling, gambling problem, Connor, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wow. There we go. Let's wow. go. There we go. You crushed it. There we go. I had to customize it, you know. 
Yeah. There we go. I was impressed with that. That was good. By the way, DraftKings stock is up 9% today. So we're going to throw that little thing in there too. If you guys want to get on that train, because Connor I is a huge stocks out. guy for those that don't know. I so. do. Yeah. It's been a good, it's been a good start to these, these stocks. I'm, I'm digging this Royal Royal Caribbean. I'm looking at them right now, actually. Royal Caribbean's <laughs> shooting up. DraftKings has had a monster day. A little then, surprised uh, at the Royal Bowie. Caribbean and the current state of the world. But. Yeah, but I, I think it's because yeah. they, I, I forget what happened. Like, they got some kind of um, bailout, I think a little bit or something like that. But I'll take that, man. Royals up. United was up. Like uh, the one that I'm a little upset about, uh, which Marissa, you and I were talking about this with uh, your boyfriend was um, Zynga. Being a little upset, Zynga's dropping on me. Not not happy with that one. Big that Zynga, Zynga I'm like big... the games on yeah. Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like there, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in Zynga. Cause I think like the next <laughs> like big, we'll, we'll get to Marcus May Call and, and of the Duty Jets in and a second. Zynga. Well, yeah. no, see, that's the thing is like, is like my, in my opinion, like games are ever evolving, right? Like I'm a big video game guy. I think video games are constantly evolving, constantly changing. I think that like the power of like your phone, like your, your mobile ability to game, I think is going to be the next generation. And you're going to have kids that are getting their cell phones before they're getting a PlayStation 4 or Xbox. So if you've got kids that are like 10 years old with a cell phone and they're playing games on their phone, Zynga's like now has, they just bought, I forget what it was. Like Zynga just bought some kind of uh, company overseas where now essentially when they have a game, the reach that they're going to have to go out and spread is going to be massive. So you're getting in on them now when they're like a $9 share. And what you're waiting on is basically that they're going to, when they have a game, like when they have that game, it's going to explode. And then that's when their stock's going to go through the damn roof. But it's just a matter of waiting for them to come out with that game. Cause they have the, they have the technology to make whatever they want. I think the next generation is going to be a ton of gaming on your phone. And it's just a matter of they can spread it. Zynga, not a sponsor of this podcast. Yeah, despite shit, man. What you got to get Connor's just throwing in his stock. Well, I'm just giving everyone free of... pub right now. I'm giving everyone you know, free publicity. But you guys oh. know who is a sponsor of this podcast. That is Manscaped. So let's get one more of these in. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. Due to quarantine, it's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners <laughs> at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. This this is this script has gone next level from Manscaped. By the, way. <laughs> the lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarterback. The lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. Game changer. They just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add onto their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower Performance Boxer Briefs and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining and some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing deodorant and the Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner and is made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the shed travel bag that's a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance anti-chafing manscape boxer briefs get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code the athletic 20 at manscape.com again get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic 20 at manscape.com 20 percent off and free shipping just use that code the athletic 20. It's time to boost your hygiene and the absolute besties with Manscaped. 
Good All shit, right, We man. made it through. You rock that. The only other thing is when if the Jets. I wish you threw Connor's name in there like I did with the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get you get you lose bonus points for that. Marissa kicked that one off for you. The other like the Jets start uh, like one and four, one and five, whatever. Like if the season goes down the show, we're just gonna change this to like a stock show. We're gonna start talking about stocks because yeah, I'm actually kicking my my uh, sister's boyfriend texts me. He's blowing up my phone right now because I made a big mistake on this NIO, which is kind of like a Chinese car company, which Tesla was. was uh, Michael in on that one, Marissa? Connor, I was... Connor is just going off the rails. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm, we're oh, here like to... Seventh cup of coffee. I'm going on like four hours of sleep. This is why we usually like, record at right 9 a.m., right? 9 a.m., Connor's a little more calm. Like, we're here to talk Jets, and he's like going deep into... We got to talk about whose stock is down, okay? Everyone wants yeah, to know. Right. We, got a, we got a question about Chuma, okay? So, that was a good transition, Marissa. Thanks. Um, yeah. He's included. I shouldn't in have your... sold NIO. That's what I was getting to. I never should have okay. sold NIO because now it's up like fifteen hundred percent or something like that. It's, I'm screwed. That was my yacht, Marissa. My yacht is sailing off on the Chinese car company NIO. I'm screwed. <laughs> That's it's gone, gone. My hopes of being a yacht captain are over, unless DraftKings shoots up. Or Zing. Let's get that. Yeah. yeah, or Manscaped. I'm gonna buy them next. <laughs> All right. All right. On to so Jets again. Yeah, stock down. We talked about some of the good things. How about stock down? Uh, we'll start with the guy whose stock is down basically because. We haven't seen him. That's Denzel Mims, right? Yeah, that that one. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get. I keep teasing on Twitter too, so we're gonna have to get to uh, Marcus May at some point. So okay. I, I do keep teasing this guy, and I tweeted. And I think we might have gotten a few more listeners like, "Oh, he's gonna talk Marcus May," and I was like, "Nope, psych. We're gonna talk about people that are sucking right now." Um, no, but yeah, Denzel Mims is the one that's hurting, and and I feel, I feel bad for the guy because, in all seriousness, like if this was a if this was a normal off season, if this was something where they had OTAs, they had minicamp. This missed time is not that, that dramatic. Is it ideal? No, like he's a rookie, so he's got to learn. But you have a guy that is playing a position that is difficult for, for any acclimation. Like the, the transition from college wide receiver to pro wide receiver is not easy at all. It, it's one of the more challenging position acclimations that you can go through in the NFL. He's now trying to do this without having an OTAs without having a mini camp, without having an off-season conditioning program, and now quite literally missing every single one of every single practice of training camp to this point. The Jets open the season against the Bills in like two and a half weeks. Like, like we're like two and a half weeks basically away from the season opener against the Bills. Denzel Mims hasn't practiced, and it doesn't look like he's exactly close to practicing either. I mean, we haven't even seen him on the field the last two days, so he's not doing individuals yet. He's not going through where where they're just doing like not the one-on-ones with defensive backs. He's not doing any of that right now. So it's now to the point with Denzel Mims where it's it's I find it very hard to believe that this is a kid that's going to have any legitimate role early in the season. And if he's healthy, he will still play. Like the Jets will he's an athletic specimen. So the Jets will put him on the field and say, like, okay, you're going deep on this play. Okay, you're running it. But it's he'd be playing like 10% of the snaps and basically just being put on the field. And if he's there, he's not, but he's not going to be a starter playing every single snap early in the season. He's just missed so much time. And so if you're talking about a stock baller, he's number one on the list because this is a guy that the jets had extremely high expectations for entering this season. He's a guy that the jets believed would be their starting receiver with Brashad Perryman and Jamison Crowder. He's somebody who, when they drafted him out of gate, started drawing up plays to getting him on the field and how to get him the ball and designing ways to get, get creative and get him involved. And now the guy literally has not practiced in training camp. He got hurt during the conditioning period before, and he hasn't been on the field since. And, and 
it, it was originally like the Jets were saying, like, oh, it's, you know, you can't really tell. Like, Gase sounded very pessimistic when we first talked to him about the hamstring injury, but he didn't say tear. He didn't say, you know, there was blood in the hamstring. He didn't say anything like that. But the fact that he still, it seems like he's making no progress. Like, there has been no visual, like, okay, well, you know, he was just standing on the sideline and now he's kind of doing individual drills or, oh, now he's running routes with a trainer on the side. He's not even doing any of that, man. So of, of all the, the positive things that you can have and, and that you, know, you can say about the Jets at this point, and there are certainly plenty, Perryman when he's healthy, looking good, Chris Herndon, Marcus May, the offensive line, Sam Darnold, the secondary, bless Austin. There's a lot of things you can hang your hat on and say, oh, this is a positive, this is good, stock up, stock down, looking good. Mims is the one where it's like this is getting – to be a concern this is getting to be an issue all right we got a this one kind of goes with your stocks falling but it's uh from a listener so daniel stern says there hasn't been much information about chuma adaga what is happening with him how's he looked connor yeah i just wrote about him uh i actually just wrote it yeah i guess that's why you, you tease it in there is he was a stock down guy you know it's um chuma hasn't done anything wrong to this point like i'll be honest like he doesn't look bad he does not like he's getting beat every day I think this was just something where while the Jets did say, you know, every spot on the offensive line is open and all five positions on the offensive line are open. And this is going to be a competition. We're going to play the best five. The same five guys have taken every single first team snap in training camp to this point, the same five guys, there has been no position battle. There's been no competition. I think when the Jets cut Brian winners, that kind of let you know, they have their five. So it's going to be Makai Becton, Alex Lewis, Connor McGovern, um, uh, Greg Van Roten, and then George Font. Again, Chuma hasn't done anything wrong. I just also don't think that he's done anything to, or uh, Font has done anything to justify losing his job. I mean, the, the best way to describe how an offense is playing and how an offensive lineman is playing is if you don't have observations on them. Because what that means is that they're not doing anything to stick out. And very much like a defensive back, the only time that an offensive lineman uh, – you, the only time you really get observations on an offensive lineman is because he's getting his ass beat. And you're like, holy crap, this guy's constantly getting beat. He's constantly giving up sacks. What the hell's wrong with him? You can't make that comment on any one of the Jets' offensive linemen, not from left to right. And that's a good thing. And it also stands true on Font. Like, the guy's making some good plays, and he's playing good there, where it doesn't really make sense right now to have Chuma replace him. And, and it's not a shot at Chuma. It's not like Chuma's doing anything poorly. It's just that Font hasn't done anything to lose the job yet. So he's the guy. So bless Austin has been great. Arthur Millette, not so much. Those are kind of the two guys that were thrown in there last year into the secondary. So talk about Arthur Millette and what has gone wrong. Yeah, with him, man, I think you're just starting to see the talent discrepancy. You know, when when Arthur Millette took over for the Jets last year, they had some legitimate talent in Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson. The issue is that those guys had zero desire to play football at the time. Tremaine Johnson got his money and basically gave the Jets two middle fingers and said, screw you guys, I'm going to go party in New York. I don't give a shit about playing football anymore. And he did that. And that's why he ended up getting benched and why the Jets ended up cutting him after just two years. Um, when the Jets ended up benching Tremaine Johnson and, and uh, – Daryl Roberts or Daryl Roberts got hurt and Tremaine Johnson got benched and they put in bless Austin and Arthur Molette and to some extent Maurice Kennedy as well. Those three guys were not nearly as talented at that point stage. Bless might eventually develop to that point, but as a rookie, he was not as talented as Tremaine Johnson or Daryl Roberts, but Molette, Austin and Kennedy, what they gave the jets was effort. They, they tried. It's that simple. Like they actually, they tried to play football and that like, going 100 miles per hour on every play, tr like treating every play like it's your last, 
it put them in position to make effort plays. And those effort plays were enough with Greg Williams' defensive formations and defensive schemes to have the Jets having some semblance of, of, of defensive success on that side of the ball. Um, I think what you're seeing a little bit in this camp with Mollette is just his talent deficiencies. And he still tries on every single play. He still goes, you know, hard as hell on every single play. He still gives it his all on every single play. He's just, he's not as talented as Quincy Wilson. He's not as talented as um, Bless Austin. He's not as talented as Brian Poole. He's definitely more talented than Nate Harrison, but he's not as talented as these other two guys. So you're starting to see that pecking order separate. And it happened for the first time, I think, on Sunday, or maybe it might have been Saturday or Sunday, where Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, where um, the, the time, uh, the, the, um, Rashad Perryman, like 80 yard touchdown run where he caught a slant and then burst off the field and, and caught a big touchdown on that play. He fooled Arthur Mollette bad at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he made a fool of him where he caught the ball and took off 80 yards down the field. Mollette was nowhere in sight. Mollette got benched after that play and Quincy Wilson came in today. Mollette did something again where he got benched. Quincy Wilson comes in. Quincy Wilson kind of stabilizes the defense. So I think what you're just seeing now as camp is going on is not, Look, I, I think Mollette makes it 53-man roster. I think that Mollette will have a role in special teams. I think if somebody gets hurt, Mollette can come in and play. But I do not believe that Arthur Mollette is going to be a starting corner. I think that when everyone is healthy, you're going to have Pierre Dizier on one side, Bless Austin, who is having a hell of a camp on one side, and then Brian Poole in the uh, nickel slot role. All right, that wraps up uh, Stock Down. Uh, we appreciate all the questions coming in. Marissa, any good questions in there? Um, so Derek Crossman has a question, not about Sam Darnold, but the guys behind him. He says, Sam hasn't played a complete season yet. So how are the Jets backups looking? Who is going to be number two? Uh, I think, well, the number two is going to be Flacco when he's healthy. But obviously the big question there is when the hell is Joe Flacco going to be healthy at offseason neck right. surgery? He threw a little bit with a trainer on the side, but not strenuous working. Uh, I think the one thing that's really interesting to watch right now is, is Mike White, who's been kind of the random quarterback that just happened to be on the Jets roster. He got second team reps ahead of David Fales. And and James Morgan's in there as well, but the guy's a fourth round pick. He's a rookie, so he's swimming right now. And and he's not a realistic option to be a number two quarterback for the Jets this year. It's kind of like, is it going to be Fales, White, or Flacco? And if meaning like if Flacco's not healthy, it's going to be Fales or White. And I think that White's actually starting to to make some moves up the depth chart. I mean, he's been hooking up with Lawrence Cager a lot, who's having a, another guy who's having a really good camp. You hope that knee injury that he suffered in practice today. Uh, isn't anything serious because he's starting to make play after play after play that kid is. And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of questions in there uh, about, about Cager at some point, because the guy's six five two twenty and really starting to come into his own. And, and you hope that knee injury isn't serious, but white's got good chemistry with him. He's making plays and fails is kind of like starting to fall down on the depth chart. And I wonder if the reason for that is, you know, the jets brought fails back because he knows Gase's offense. And so they needed somebody there that knows the offense and that they can rely on. And then White now has been learning Gase's offense. And now if he has it down a little bit, maybe there's some talent being broken up there where you're starting to see White make a difference. But uh, I guess we'll I'll, – I'll make it pretty clear here, though. If, if Flacco is hurt, like if Flacco can't be the, open, the quarterback for the, uh, the backup quarterback for the first three or four weeks and Sam Darnold goes down within those first three or four weeks, the Jets are screwed, man. Because, like, if you're going to start relying on, on White or Fails – to win you a football game or James Morgan in his rookie year, 
you are well, it's you not, are more than effed. Like it's you not are even, so screwed. <laughs> it's not even if he goes down. I mean, what we saw this week with the positive test, false results. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen didn't practice. Bills, yep. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. so if that happens to Sam Darnold on Sunday, then what? Yes. They are so screwed. Like, they are in deep shit. Like, it is bad news. Like, it is going, they are going, they're so screwed if that happens, which is why they got I mean, Flacco to get Flacco we, healthy, get Flacco healthy. I was just going to say, we basically saw exactly what will happen a year ago, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be that. It'll be that maybe worse because at least the Jets had Trevor Simeon there to come in before his ankle exploded on national television. For like a half, yeah. Yeah, they had him, yeah. yeah literally, his ankle exploded, so that wasn't great. Um, but they will, uh, they, they, they're in trouble if he goes down. I mean, Flacco is the one that they need to get healthy. They need to have him be the backup because he can stabilize any situation, and then they have to wait for James Morgan to develop a little bit. But no, there's – like, if you're worried about what happens if Sam Darnold goes down, you have every right to be worried what happens when Sam Darnold goes down because they're going to be – they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in big, big, big trouble. That was a good right. question awesome. from Derek. Yeah, yeah, good job, Derek. Awesome <laughs> stuff all around from everybody listening and chatting and all of that. We are going to be back at you throughout training camp and, of course, the whole season. If you like what you're hearing, please, again, just give us a rating and review and, of course, subscribe so you get all of these podcasts to you immediately. You don't have to go searching for them or anything like that. Keep it locked for all the athletic podcasts, too. Your favorite team probably has one here at The Athletic. If it's not the Jets, Um, So check that out. If you or your friend want a subscription to The Athletic, we can help you out with that as well. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. You can save 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Follow Connor on Twitter if you aren't. Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster and Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. Gotta make her an influencer. influencer, Gotta make Marissa an influencer. One step at a time. Uh, We'll be back with you again uh, either later this week or early next week, but keep it locked on the Can't Wait podcast. Thanks for tuning in.